Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Let me try that again. Good morning. There we are. Just before we... I have a message, it's, it's, it's not going to be elongated, but I just have to tell you this, a little anecdote. It's got nothing to do with my message, okay? But it does have to do with the Three Kings story. The most watched TED Talk in history is from a fellow named Sir Ken Robinson, who was an educator in Great Britain. He passed away a couple of years ago. And his TED Talk, watched by more than seven, viewed by more than 17 million people, is, is education killing creativity. And in there, he tells a story when his boy, who's now in his 30s, I think was four years old, he was in a nativity play, like the Christmas story, and he got to play Joseph. It was a non-speaking part, but his dad said it was a, you know, we thought it was a pivotal role, a key role in, the, in that story. And, and the three kings came with their gifts, and somehow they got out of sequence. You know, they're bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are very important things back in the day. And somehow they got out of sequence. And he said three four-year-olds walked into the, into the scene with tea towels on their heads. And the first little kid says, this is gold. Second little kid says, this is myrrh. And the third little guy walks up and says, Frank sent this. I just love that story, and I wanted to get it in somewhere, so there it is. So the last three weeks, we've been in a a mini-series, a trilogy, if you will, three parts, under the umbrella, awestruck by glory. That's the key to Christmas, the glory of it. First week was cosmos to cradle from the great out there to here. Second week was impossible to possible. That was last week. This week, it's heaven to earth. And in order to uh, illustrate heaven to earth, I want to just use this backpack for starters. So I have this backpack, and then in the backpack, I have a cap there, and I stole one of Ruth's shoes. This is called a Mary Jane shoe. I have no idea why it's called a Mary Jane shoe, but that's, that's what it is. And I'll come back to that in just, in just a moment. So here's the, here's the deal. This is the main theme of today, if you will, that heaven to earth is, as young people would say, is an epic move. Heaven to earth is an epic move. It's the great out there to the right in here. It's the, from power, all the power there is to somebody who doesn't have so much. It's from perfect to the imperfect. It's God come in baby shape. This is the intriguing part of the entire what we call the Christmas message. And the, the writer Matthew, the gospel writer Matthew, uh, captures the essence, the why of heaven to earth this way. The story goes, many of you know the story, but the story goes that an angel shows up and speaks to Joseph, this builder, the carpenter, stonemason guy. And, and it, as it turns out his, his wife to be is expecting a child. And of course, that's a challenge in and of itself. And this is what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus, that story we just read, if you will. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Sins is an interesting, it's sort of an old-fashioned word. You don't hear that like it at the grocery store or at the gas station or, you know. Sins simply means this. It means missing the mark. It means falling short. It means things I do or don't do that mess up my life. I have a PhD in this. I'm just saying, you know, that, that all of us know, because it says all of us have fallen short of the mark and short of the glory of God. The good news is he wants to, forgive me, he wants to snag us. He wants to save us. He wants to rescue us, if you will. That's the language that's used. The question is, how's he going to do that? Well, connecting, here's the good news, connecting is the goal. In our culture, in this time, connection and connectivity is a huge word. We talk about it all the time. And we, we talk about, so are you online? Are you connected to the internet? How's the social media connection? Young people go on social media to try to connect and they find out that it's about comparison instead of connection. Instead of me competing in soccer with the kids in Weld County, I'm, I'm competing with some kid in England and some guy in India because it, all the connection turns into comparison. And during COVID, we said, you know, it's so hard not to be connected. We say, how's your, uh, how's your download speed in terms of connecting? To attach... To good things is life. To detach from good things is death. So here's the story. It was the summer of 1948, and a Swiss electrical engineer went hunting, took his dog along, went hunting in the Alps. When he came back, his, his pants were covered with stuff, and the dog had this stuff all over him, and it's what we would know as cockleburs. It's burrs, okay? This is what a cockleburr looks like. This is just one variety. There are probably hundreds of varieties of cockleburs. And when he took one of those and put it under a microscope, because he's an engineer, he wants to check it out, this is what he sees. He sees that on the, on the end of each of these spikes, there's a little tiny hook like that. Well, he started playing with that. Over the next six, seven, eight years, he started working with that, thinking there might be some kind of product in that. And uh, in, in 1955, he patented that product, but he needed a name. And so he took two French words and um, he created, what he created was called hook and loop technology. And he took two French words. One is velour, which means velvet, and crochet, which means hook. So he created a system of technically what is called hooked velvet. We know that product we know that product as Velcro. That's what this is. I got this backpack. It's got this attachment to it. Got this cap. It's got a Velcro strap. Got this Mary Jane shoe, very cool. Velcro. If you're very old, you know about this on your shoes. If you're very young, you know about this on your shoes, okay? If you're a hiker, you know about that stuff on your pants and on your vests and on your jacket. If you're in medicine, 
you know about wrapping Velcro straps around stuff or attaching it to the end of the bed. If you're in the military, you got your name tag on Velcro, you've got all kinds of stuff that works with Velcro. If you're in the fire department, if you're in medicine, if you're, I mean, it just goes on and if you're an astronaut, you strap your watch to the outside of your spacesuit with a Velcro strap. You actually put Velcro on scientific equipment and attach it to the inside of the spacecraft because it keeps it in place in zero gravity. <laughs> I mean, who knew that this, he just went for a hike with his dog and came back with hundreds of applications of this hook and loop technology. I understand because you can do this with nylon, you can do it with polyester, you can do it with metal, with steel. And I understand that a two, a two square inch piece of Velcro, and, and I know this is true because I Googled it, the, 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 the <laughs> two square inch piece of Velcro of certain material can support a 175 pound person. That's exactly my thought. That's exactly. I love it when the kids in the front row are listening. I love this. You're my man. I owe you a candy bar. Okay. Not today, later. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. This could be the greatest Christmas you ever had. And you've heard me say this before. Your story is a Velcro ribbon. When you tell your story and the bits and pieces of where and who and why come out, somebody connects to it, right? I've said that lots of times here. So two weeks ago, I'm speaking at Timberline Road, and I talk about a friend of mine, a fisherman, a long net fisherman from the Outer Banks of North Carolina, fish with huge mile-long nets and you know, do all this stuff. And, and I told a little story about him because he passed away a few weeks ago, and afterwards, a lady came up to me at the end of the service. She said, I, I get the long net part, my father was a long net tuna fisherman all of my life off of the coast of California. We lived in San Diego, an Italian fishing family. My dad's name was Guido. He fished off California, off Ecuador, over to Africa with long nets. I get it. That's called a Velcro moment. And here is God in his story. His story is a Velcro ribbon. And it hooks us in all kinds of ways, if you will. All right. So how does, how does he begin? Where does he start with this? Well, he does this incredible thing. There is this fella who was like a killer. In the, in the book, in the Bible, he's written several letters. His name is Paul, but when he was younger, he was Saul. And, and he would put people like you and me who believe that Jesus is God, he would put us in jail, kill some of us. That's what he did. But he had this moment where he was radically transformed and then he goes on to write these words to one particular group of people in northern Greece. In Philippians second chapter, it reads like this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's what, that's what heaven to earth is about. Here is God looking to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And I'm saying, well, what is that? What is that attitude? And he describes it. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Other translations say something to be held on to, grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So when he chose to take on baby shape, when he chose to take on human form, he lets go of his glory. He lets go. 
and says, I'm gonna limit this for the purposes of being able to help both, okay? I'll make this personal. Who does that? Who lets go of big position? When, when somebody, as we say, is in the catbird seat and they hold all the cards and they've got all the power and all the money, why would they let go of that? Who does that? Well, saying it another way, he gives up his rights. We live in a day, you know this, I know this for myself, that where I'm saying, I have my rights. I can do this or that, I have this. My right to do this, my right to do that. And here is, so I know those feelings, but why would someone, wouldn't someone champion their own rights? Because again, he can do it all. He doesn't have to come help us. He's got it all. He's got power, he has access, he has knowledge, and he lets it go. Why? Well, somebody would do that for two or three reasons, I think. One is he wants to tear down walls that are between us. Secondly, he wants to shatter categories. He wants to take away hindrances to knowing him. He wants to identify with us, to redeem us. His name, as we read in the story of Humphrey, his name is Jesus, which means the deliverer, the one who saves. So the story of Jesus' birth paints a picture of connections, but but this identification piece, um, we identify with somebody when we go to where they are. Um, when I think of this, I think of my wife, Ruth. She, she uh, not jokingly, she says that her people group is people from birth to five years old. She is tremendous with preschoolers. Preschoolers walk by me like I am a piece of furniture, okay? But Ruth is down on the floor and she's playing the same game over and over. She does puzzles very patiently with little people. Would make me crazy, it makes me crazy. But she, she says, my group is like from 18 to 35, that sort of group in there. So when I think of identification, I see her, or we'll be driving along and I'll see a red-tailed hawk will fly across the road and it takes my breath away. I was brought up in Oakland, California. We didn't have red-tailed hawks. I see an eagle. We didn't have eagles in Oakland, California. And I say, man, what would it be like just to be an eagle, just like for a day, just to soar at 5,000 feet and see the whole deal? But, you know, I'd like to, the other side of that is, you know, how, how does that, how do you do that? Well, the story of Jesus' birth paints that kind of picture. Listen to how it reads. And I'm sort of going to race through here because many of you know the story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. He was the emperor of the whole, that part of the world that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Crinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to register. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee because, going to Bethlehem, because he belonged to the house and line of David, went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. We all heard that part. Then he was born. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. And angels show up and angel choirs and all that. So many Velcro moments, so many possible hooks of helping us to understand the story. I mean, for example, have you ever had a dealing with the IRS? Have you ever uh, been contacted by somebody, every 10 years they come knock on your door and they're census takers. How many people live at your house? How old are they? If you've uh, 
If you've ever been in a place where you're not expecting to be expecting, you're a young man and you end up expecting, you know this. Spur of the moment road trip. Many of us know that. If you're in the trades, you're a builder, you're a stonemason or you're a plumber or electrician, whatever it is, you get this. If you're a teenage girl, you get this story. If you've been a mother, you get this story. If you're a stepdad, you get this story. If you've ever been attacked by someone who's jealous, like in another part of the story, it says King Herod found out there was another king in town named Jesus, and he chased him out of town, tried to kill him, right? If you've ever been attacked by somebody who's jealous, you have a hook in this, or it has its hook in you, if you will. If you've ever been on the road as a refugee, if you like music, if you're in agro business, you're a rancher or a farmer, or you get it, shepherds, all these access. Then you go to John, and John, the gospel writer, tells the story a different way. This is how he says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And goes on to say, through him all things were made. And it says that, he, that there was life in him, and that life was the light of mankind. And then John the Baptist shows up and he testifies to that. So you say, well, where do you connect in that story? Well, if you're into the language arts, if you like reading or writing, the word, it's right there. If you're creative, if you like building stuff, you're an entrepreneur, it's right there. Without him, nothing was made. If you're in science and light shows up, if you're a scientist, if you're in medicine, if you're in communications, if you're in media, if you're in TV, if you work for AT&T or Verizon, whatever it is, light is where it, none of that works without laser technology. If you're in public relations or content marketing, John the Baptist is your guy. I'm not the light. Here comes the light. Let me tell you about this event we have planned. So, you know, if you're an event planner, you're all over this. So, and then he goes on to say, he came to that which was his own, his own stuff, his own things, but his own people did not receive him. Yet to who, those who did receive him, to those who believed he gave the right to become children of God. So Jesus comes and he gets rejected. Have you ever been rejected? Ever had anybody say about your idea, that's the dumbest idea I ever heard? All of us know rejection at various places in our lives, so we can connect there. Or if we believe stuff, everybody believes stuff, we can connect there. Or all of us have been kids, we can connect there. You say, really, this is getting a little elongated. Well, the deal is that wherever you connect, wherever that hook, sort of brings you in, what you get from that is this. We get access to the glory that he let go of. That's what we get. It says, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And I'm reading this and I say, wow, do I ever need those two things in my life? I need somebody. This is the big question of the last several years. What's true? Okay, I need somebody to tell me the truth about how life works. And I need space because I'm back there in that sinning category. I need space for grace. So I need truth on the one hand, and I need grace as the context. That's what makes life work, and I get both of those in Jesus. So, heaven to earth. Here is God, that God, the immense... Uh, can't have language to describe him. He's the indescribable, unlimited God. I can't, you know. And he comes, he chooses to come in baby shape, just like me. A couple of weeks ago, I, I flew to Portland, Oregon, and they had, a, they had some flight mix-up, and I had to go through San Francisco. And when we took off at sunset from San Francisco, we pulled up and took a right and went out across San Francisco Bay 
over the town of Alameda, California. There's an old air station there, Naval Air Station. And Alameda was the town that I was born in a few years back. So I'm looking down on the town I was born in. And uh, when, I, when I did that, you know, this, it, was, it was just a strange feeling. I said, all those decades ago, I was born there. And I don't remember this, but subconsciously, I'm, you know, here you are. You're in this, you're in your mother's womb, if you will. And it's this little watery womb world, and it's comfortable, and I, I keep hearing this, which is your mother's heartbeat. They say that in the last trimester, you can identify uniquely your mother's voice when she speaks. So when a mother speaks or sings to a child, they've already had that connection in some way. And so you're in there, and you're kind of pretty cool, and you're comfortable, and all of a sudden, there's pressure. And you're saying, this is not good. And then, you know, and so you go from this place you know to this place you don't know, and all of a sudden, you're out, and there are giants, and there are bright lights, and they're talking funny languages, and you're upside down, and you're saying, don't hit me, I'll cry. You know, just, it, it's sort of that kind of a moment. So I'm, I'm looking at this youth magazine some years ago, and here's a double-page spread, full color, of a newly born naked baby, umbilical cord still attached. And it's not, he's not all slick and potted. I mean, it's purple and blue and gucky and all this. And stamped across the bottom of the page, it said, Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm saying, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, time out. That's the way I came. Jesus, he, came, they ran, he was all slick and clean and came. No, no, he came that way. He, he knew my first trauma. Birth is my first trauma. I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of stuff here. The, the pain is the mother's, but the risk is the child's. And that's the way he came. So let me wrap this up. Many of you have heard me tell the story of being a young dad, 30 years old, came home one day and I was just whacked. I was tired. You, you can, those of you who are older, you know you can be tired when you're 30 years old. And I came home and we had these four little kids and I didn't have backpacks like this in the day. We had briefcases. I'm in a three-piece suit and I toss my briefcase on the couch and I fall belly down on the front room floor. Well, if you have uh, teenagers at your house and you fall belly down on the front room floor, they'll go find mom and say, mom, dad's weirded out. Uh, you need to call somebody because he's just whacked. He's there. But if you have little people at your house and you fall belly down on the front room floor, what happens? Yes, they jump on you. Why? Because the giant has laid down. I mean, you know, I'm six feet tall. That's two and a half times taller than a preschooler. Relatively speaking, that would be like a 15-foot high guy walking in here, okay? And the giant is looking at me and saying, have you cleaned your room yet? You no, know, but I was just going to. You know, you, you, you just, it's that kind of view. But when the giant lies down, that vertical power goes horizontal, and it's actually smaller than I am, and I have access to it. That's what happened at Bethlehem. Is God the giant? laid down like that and when that happened all bets were off everything changed I don't know where the place is that you're hooked or that you got hooked or that you need to be hooked if you will but my friend Steve Moore who wrote speeches for a long time on Capitol Hill sent me a little something it says the birth of Jesus has a lot of hooks because I told him I was going to talk about this and he said do you like babies Christmas has one. Like underdogs, Christmas has the greatest one ever. 
like mysteries. Come on, the virgin birth. Poor people who make good. Christmas has that. Like politics? Jesus set off a revolution. Do you like stars? Christmas story has a great one. At Christmas, God is out to hook the world. I believe he's doing it. Not as much as I'd like, but he's doing it. And we get hooked by the, by the strangest things. I didn't tell the story in first service, but I'm going to tell it now. I was at a conference some years ago in Idaho. I was speaking in the afternoon, and the guy who spoke before me was a pastor, but he spoke, said he had a science background. And the next, at dinner that night, I was sitting next to him. I said, what kind of science? And he said, uh, math. I said, uh, so you, you studied math, and now you're a pastor? He said, yeah, I went to Eastern Washington State University, and I... I found math in my sophomore year and took every course they had. And then I went to grad school in math. I said, really, you have a master's in math? He said, no, I have a PhD. I said, from where? He said, from Yale. He said, you have a PhD from Yale in math and you're pastoring a church in like Nampa, Idaho. He said, yeah. I said, what was your area of math? Because there are all kinds of places of math. And he, he said, it's uh, something, uh, geometry, some, some, thing you know some real you got to have a brain to go there and he said and we came to teach the university here and uh, my wife and I were not believers at all but um, I was a tremendous professor but a lousy husband and we would have knocked down drag out fights just fights not physical but just verbal altercations and he said uh, one Saturday night We'd had one of those, and my wife said, I'm going to take the kids and go to church tomorrow morning. We never went to church, and she picked one out. She was driving across town, but because she had small kids, she was late. That's sort of the drill, right? And she saw this church. She said, well, if I pull in here, I'll be on time. So she pulled into this church, just a little church, very enthusiastic, went in, and there was a lot of clapping and a lot of this, and she wasn't used to that. At the end, the pastor asked her where she lived, and she wouldn't tell him. She just said, on the east side of town. A couple weeks later, they're having a little fight, and they hear this. They go to the door. Here stands this pastor, and he said, I was just in the area. thought I'd stop by. He said, I have no idea how he found us. A few weeks later, we're having another one of those. Same guy. That happened four or five times in three or four months. And finally, she, was, she had the car packed. She was leaving. She was getting out of Dodge, as they say. It was midnight. He said, I was just in prayer, and I thought I should swing by. He said, we never let him off the porch. He never got inside the house. That next morning, the heat had gone out of the argument. We're standing in the kitchen, and we're laughing. He said, that guy's an idiot. I mean, he just shows up here for no reason. I mean, and every time we've had a fight in the last several months, this guy has showed up and he said, this is the, the PhD for meal talking to me. He said, I said to her, my wife, I wonder what the mathematical odds of the, and he said, I didn't finish the sentence. And in that moment, I knew there was a God and the hook was set. And he started following Jesus, and the rest, as they say, is history. I have no idea. 
I have no idea the place we walk in the door or the place where I just know that God goes out of his way to let go of his glory to help us find some way to ex experience heaven and earth. So, what if from now on when somebody says, what are the sounds of Christmas? You say, well, for me it's this. Let the sound of Velcro be the sound of connection that changes my whole world. Let's pray. Father, thank you in Jesus that you gave up your rights. You let go of glory to bring it to us. Help me just in th this moment and in these days to think of how I attach, have attached, or might attach to the Jesus story. Help me think about where can I, if I'm already attached, where can I let go of my rights in order to serve somebody else so that it might reflect this epic move you made to come to me and bring heaven to earth. I'm so grateful that heaven came to earth in a baby shape. In Jesus' name we pray these things. And everyone said, Amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit timberlinechurch.org slash connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.